Good morning, and welcome to another glorious day in God's creation. I'm John Kowalski, and this is Rise Up, a podcast about life's challenges with solutions provided by the Word of God. Let me start by wishing everybody a happy new year. 2021 is over. Uh, 2022 is here. Uh, I'm very hopeful. I, I I don't know. I don't really know what to expect. We thought we got out of uh, 2020 with our skin intact. Uh, and uh, 2021 wasn't all that much better uh, in the world we live in. <clears throat> it's, uh, you know... We're still living in pandemic nightmare world. Uh, a lot going on. Our our government is just off the rails, uh, and it really doesn't seem like anybody is on our side in the world. But we kind of knew that was the story, right? Um, we know that the world is going to continue to get worse, and uh, we also know the end of the story. So. We need to come together as the body of Christ and uh, and kind of lead the example, right? Uh, and it's it's a new year. It's our time to show what following Christ is really about, not what following Christ can do for us. Uh, that's never, ever been the thing. Uh, if you look at the Bible... Uh, nobody who followed Christ uh, in the New Testament uh, really made it big, so to speak. Um, some of them became very famous. I, I mean, we're still talking about them to this day. So in a way, uh, they did. Uh, their legacy stood the test of time. But it was because of who they were in Christ. Uh, they preached the word, they lived the word, they exemplified the word um, that that Jesus left for them to pass to the rest of us. Um, many of us who are followers, followers of Christ now wouldn't be had it not been for those people uh, in first century Jerusalem and beyond. Uh, so I guess that leads us right into uh, a very important topic in this new year. Uh, and uh, this week we're talking about humility. Um, Albert Calhoun uh, describes humility um, in several different ways. But first she uses a quote from Richard Rohr. Uh, and he says, Humility and honesty are really the same thing. A humble person is simply a brutally honest person about the whole truth. You and I came along a few years ago, and we're going to be gone in a few years. The only honest response to life is a humble one. And while I agree with that to a certain extent, I I do think honesty and humility go hand in hand. I don't agree that humility and honesty are synonymous. Uh, humility is a state of mind in which we place ourselves properly in the world. In the world, um, we're not to consider ourselves worthless because we're in the image of God. Uh, we are to consider ourselves unworthy of the gift of grace that Jesus bestowed upon us on the cross. Uh, knowing that we are undeserving of the grace, we should be grateful. 
uh, unbelievers do not know that they are lost and living in sin. Many consider themselves good people. Uh, They credit themselves with any good act, but never consider the scale of the sins they think their deeds easily outweigh. Uh, They think that they're righteous by their actions. Christ followers know that we are not righteous, but for the grace of Jesus. So in that way, we are to consider ourselves less than the lost consider themselves, right? Uh, If the lost consider themselves righteous on their own deeds, and we don't, we know better, then in a way, we are less than them. Honesty is is virtuous. It's to be applauded and taught to our children, but simply being honest doesn't make you humble. Uh, I do agree that people who are humble are less likely to be dishonest. Uh, We live in a world of exaggeration and attention-seeking behaviors. The humble do neither of these things and therefore are generally more honest. So in that way, I guess he's right, but, you know, just plain honesty doesn't make you humble. Uh, You can tell the truth all day long and and be the least humble person on earth, Uh, assuming that everything you say is truth uh, is is not by definition humble. Um, Albert Calhoun uh, goes on to describe humility in a few different ways. Um, The desire for somebody who's looking for humility is to become like Jesus in willingness to choose the hidden way of love rather than the way of power. Uh, The definition, uh, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Uh, Humble people let go of image management and self-promotion. They honor others by making the other's needs as real and as important as their own. Um, There's a lot of scripture about humility. Uh, Albert Calhoun calls out uh, Matthew 6, 1 uh, and 4, uh, but especially careful when you are trying to be good so that you don't make performance out of it. Just do it quietly and unobtrusively. That is the way of your God who conceived you in love, working behind the scenes, helps you out. Um, And that's from the message, not my favorite translation, um, but that's the one that she used. Um, James 2.1, my dear friends, don't let public opinion influence how you live out our glorious Christ-originated faith. Again, that's from the message. Uh, Colossians 3.12, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourself in compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Um, and then Isaiah 57, 15. Uh, For this is what the high and lofty one says. I live in a high and holy place, but also with him who is contrite and lowly in spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Um I think those are great definitions or great descriptions of what humility should be. Um, Practice of humility would include a lot of things, okay? First of all, let's just put it out there. Social media is a humility trap. 
It's designed to reward the attention-seeking behavior inherent in our human nature. So many posts are exaggerations, bragging, trash-talking, gossip, and outright attacks. Um, Can we do social media humbly? Albert Calhoun suggests that refraining from image management, that means explaining away your downfalls or leaving them out completely and only using social media to show how great your life is. Um, That's not necessarily accurate. It's not necessarily truthful. Uh, And I don't know that it helps anyone. Second, deliberately keeping silent about accomplishments and talents. Um, If you're using social media to prop yourself up, to build yourself up, um, then you're you're doing it wrong. That's not humble. Uh, Refusing the impulse to name drop. Um, We do it all the time, right? We bump into some celebrity somewhere and somehow that becomes our claim to fame. Weird, right? I mean, how does me bumping into a celebrity make me somehow better, more famous? I I don't know. I don't get it. It makes no sense to me. Um, Next, uh, she talks about backing away from becoming the center of attention. Draw others out. Use social media to prop up other people, to call attention to their good deeds, um, to point out how they live their life that honors God. Um, Stay away from promoting yourself. Let somebody else do that. And if they don't, then God still knows what you did. Okay, that will be rewarded in heaven. Those will be the the deeds, the works of your life that don't burn up in the fire because the glory was given to God. Uh, Next, avoiding favoritism, honoring others as God does. Be grateful for every person that you know, love, care for, uh, choose to do life with. Um, Choose downward mobility so others have more, right? When you pull yourself back, you leave room for others. Uh, And that's probably always a good thing. I searched for some articles on this and I got a lot of articles that were, you know, air quotes, it's possible to promote yourself humbly. Uh, I guess they just really don't see the glaring contradiction in that statement. You can't promote yourself humbly. Uh, I'm sorry, it just can't be done. I don't care how you think you're gonna do it. I don't care if you do it in a self-deprecating manner you're still calling attention to yourself, your actions, and your deeds. It's not humble. Um, If your goal is to promote yourself, uh, you've chosen to forgo humility. Just admit it. You're not being humble. And if that's okay for you, then go with it. But that's not the godly way. Um, Steps to staying humble on social media. Uh, Again, this is a minefield. Uh, And the more that you indulge in social media, the harder that this becomes. Um, But I'm going to give you a few that I pulled from a bunch of different articles because I couldn't find one single article that was really honest about this subject, right? They want you to believe that you're still being humble when you spend all day propping yourself on for media, social media platforms. And it's just not true, okay? Um, Daniel Rothamel, 
uh, um, says or gives this example of keeping the focus on God. Okay, so uh, keeping the focus on God is the first one. And he says, staying humble on social media is just like staying humble offline. It requires a relentless focus on God and his will. There is no reason why we can't love God and love our neighbors through our use of social media. I would agree with that 100%. But you have to be intentional with every word, every picture, every post, everything you do on social media. You have to be 100% intentional. If it doesn't point to God, then you should delete it. Number two, lift up others. KB Hoyle says, I try to always pause and ask myself, why am I posting or commenting? If it is solely to bring attention to myself and not in any way to edify others, then I frequently don't comment or post. I do that myself. Um, I would say that probably two thirds or more of the things that I type into social media, whether it's replies to other people or my own posts, uh, when I read it back before I submit it, uh, I realize, no, this, this is not who I want to be. Uh, and I delete it. So, and I'm not kidding, clear, literally two thirds and I don't post a lot. So I guess that's probably not, uh, saying much, but, uh, it's why I don't post a lot because I read it back and I realize who do I think I am? Who am I kidding? Who am I trying to impress? Who am I trying to fool? Um, And I don't want to do any of those things. Next is celebrate others. Social media is many things, but for the Christian, one thing it cannot be is a place where we only think about ourselves. Because of course, there's nowhere that we are to be thinking only of ourselves. Um, That's from Abby Perry. Uh, an article she wrote, is it possible to be humble and use social media? Um, And then lastly, shine the light. Okay. Know that it is the light, not your light. Uh, This light in no way comes from us. Uh, It is in us, but it is not from us. Uh, It is not our light that we are shining. Uh, 1 Peter 3.15 states, Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with a gentleness and respect. Uh, Are we glorifying God online? Or are we using our faith to glorify ourselves? Look at me, how great a Christian I am. Uh, That is not humble. It's not Christian. Uh, Jesus didn't go around glorifying himself. In every way, uh, he glorified God, the Father, the one who sent him. Uh, We should be doing the same thing. Um, The God-given fruit of humility, um, Albert Calhoun says that uh, keeping company with Jesus so that our identity rests with him alone. Uh, My mother once told me, and I probably said it on here before, that um, when people see her out in the world, they want, she wants them to see Jesus. She doesn't want them to see her. Uh, And nothing that she does, and she does a lot uh, in her community, 
uh, is meant to draw attention to herself, but to draw attention to Jesus and what Jesus did for her and for all of us. Um, Next, having Jesus increase and us decrease. Uh, Are your contributions to the world more about Jesus and less about you? Uh, Would Jesus think, teach, or say what you're about to say on social media? I would bet that maybe quite often, as often as it happens for me, maybe, maybe less, maybe more, I don't know. Um, I would say probably not. Okay. Uh, Liberate from the need for others' approval. Who are we trying to impress? We already have the forgiveness of the Father through the sacrifice of the Son. So do we really need a pat on the back from strangers on social media, from people we see twice a year, from neighbors, from, you know, community members? What what is it that we need so badly uh, that causes us to, I mean, be the way that we are on social media? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, I struggle with it too. I, I read social media posts and, and instantly start typing back. Uh, fortunately, I have an extensive editing system built into my brain that doesn't allow me to just hit submit and go uh, and forget about it. Um, it. It forces me to read it back and, and consider the ramifications of what I'm saying before I say it. Um, I guess it's a gift. Uh, if it is, it's from God because uh, it does not allow me to make a fool of myself on a regular basis. Um, next, take your identity from being God's dearly loved child rather than from possessions. Um, what is the goal of posting your lunch, your house, your boat, your car, your whatever? Are you showing off? Are you bragging? Um, regardless of your intentions, you're just propagating a culture of one-upmanship, right? Um, you show your car, so the next person shows their better car, and then they show their house, and then the next person shows their better house. Um, one person's posting about how great their vacation was, and the next person's posting about how much better their vacation was. Um, it's a it's a battle you can't win uh, because half of what you're seeing isn't even true. Um you know, that car, it's not paid for and and may never be paid for. Uh, that boat, that's, you know, they're going to use that one summer and then they're going to forget about it. And, and 10 years from now, they're going to sell it after they made payments on it for all that time. So nothing is what it seems. Uh, and the harder people try to make it seem like it's more than it is, uh, the more likely that it's actually less. Um If your identity is in Jesus, show that. Uh, Free yourself from ostentation and pretense. This is where honesty comes into your humility, right? Making our lives seem better than they are simply hurts others. It creates imaginary competitions and it shows the world that Christians are just as broken as everyone else, decreasing or eliminating the impact of our witness. Is that really what we want to do? Uh, Is there a way to show our lives uh, and the good in them without taking the glory away from God? Okay. Um, 
I've had a pretty good start to the new year. Nothing's really gone wrong, but I heard from my brother and my sister, and both of them have had a little bit of a rocky start to 2022. Um, Does that mean I'm a better Christian than they are? No. Um, I trust God, and if I have challenges and storms ahead of me, which I'm sure I do, uh, then I'm going to trust God to get me through them. Um, I don't really know 100% what my brother and sister believe, um, but I believe that if they trust God, that their lives will be the same way, that they may have a struggle, a challenge, uh, a storm, um, but that they're going to get through it and they're going to learn from it and it's going to refine them and it's going to make them stronger in their faith. Um, at least I hope so. And that's what I pray for them. Um, next, love your neighbor as yourself. Take as much interest in others as in yourself and your opinions. I would argue that taking as much interest in others is not enough. Take more interest in their lives. Better yet, put down your phone and go out and find them and do something together. Um, join them in their life. Um, make a memory together that's worth talking about. Uh, and then live an authentically grateful life. I know memes have become the new media uh, for politi- politically incorrect ad hominem attacks on social media platforms. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with the term ad hominem, it's when two people are arguing about something and one argues their position and gives evidence for it and the other just directs their response directly against the person rather than refuting the position that they made. Um, so for example, person one says the ocean looks blue because red, orange, yellow, long wavelength light is absorbed more strongly by the water than blue is because it's short wavelength light. So when white light from the sun enters the ocean, it's mostly the blue that gets refracted or returned. So that's what we see. Um, and that's from scientificamerican.com, by the way. Um, the response from person two is, you're a moron. That's an ad hominem attack, right? There's no basis for it. They've made no claim. They've refute, not refuted the claim of the first person. They just don't agree, so they call them a moron. That's an ad hominem attack. Uh, anyway, occasionally, a meme streaks, uh, sneaks through with some truth behind it. I see one every so often that fits the bill. Um, this one states, what if you woke up tomorrow with only the things that you were thankful for yesterday? Um, I, that one gets me, right? Because did I thank God for my wife yesterday? Did I thank God for my children? Did I thank God for the people I work with, my job, the, the kids that, that I work with? Um, did I thank God for all of them? Uh, was I, did I behave in a thankful manner? I don't know if I did. And if I woke up and everything was gone that I wasn't thankful for yesterday, uh, that would be a bad day. Uh, And then finally, becoming like Jesus, who made himself of no reputation. Uh, Can we do it? Can we put ego aside and care more about others than we do about ourselves? It's not easy. We'll probably battle with it every single day, maybe every single post. Uh, on social media, knowing that we can never be perfect, 
the obedience to the will of God may simply be in the effort. Let me take a quick break and then we're going to continue on with some more about humility. All right, guys, I'm back. I want to talk about in this segment um, some roadblocks to humility, Um, some, you know, speed bumps that make it more difficult. Uh, Albert Calhoun listed four. Okay, Uh, so I want to go through those briefly and talk about each one a little bit. Uh, First of all, Albert Calhoun asserts that in a world of corporate, political, economic, and social hierarchies, humility is a hard sell. That's true, right? Uh, That's the world we live in, right? If you're not propping yourself up, then you're falling behind. Uh, And after all, who wants to be at the bottom of the heap, right? Last in line or out of the loop. Uh, People scramble to have others realize how gifted, qualified, valuable, and productive they are. Uh, Folks compete so they won't be overlooked and underutilized. Um, Number two, it's a normal human longing to want to be appreciated, uh, valued, and recognized for our potential. Um, Humility doesn't mean thinking demeaning and low thoughts about ourselves uh self-deprecation is not necessarily humility it's just another form of attention seeking uh it's not denying the truth of our achievements or thinking less of ourselves humility stems from an honest understanding of who we are or and maybe more importantly who we are in christ right Christ's kingdom, the kingdom of God, is often referred to as the upside-down kingdom, right? Where first is last and last is first. Um, But it's not about self-deprecating, pushing yourself to the bottom by, by ridiculing yourself or having a low opinion of yourself. It's more about putting others ahead of you, right? Uh, And that's just not human nature. It's just not. Um, Third, personas and the false self are cobbled together by identifying with the grandiosity of secondary things, right? It's easy to tell when the false self is in place, right? Because it's always afraid of looking small and inadequate. Uh, It takes offense at slights and is horribly sensitive to being overlooked. Uh, The false self is turned in on itself. Humility stems from having someone beside you, besides you, at the center of your attention. So if whatever you're doing uh, has someone else in mind, it's probably a humble act. Uh, If whatever you're doing even if it's being done for others, has your gratification, your attention, your reward in mind, then it's not humble, no matter how humble the actual act may have been, uh, the act of service. Uh, Fourth, apprentices to Jesus are chosen, loved, appreciated, and important 
to the creator of the universe. The Holy Spirit inhabits us, right? We're free to be who we are, no more and no less. Uh, and we shouldn't care what anyone but God thinks of our actions. Uh, a true Christ in me self is deeply at home in God and our own skin. Um, the mirror of public response doesn't matter. This person is not out to prove something or sell him or herself. Awards, accolades, and notoriety are not the center of that person's identity, nor should it be. Jesus was the consummate example of humility and greatness uh, when he was incarnated on earth. Jesus knew that he was God's own son. Not one or no one born of flesh will ever be greater than Jesus. But Jesus laid down his divine power and his greatness and appeared on the earth as we all do. He was born the helpless son of the Virgin Mary. The mind boggles at the depth of Christ's descent from where he started to where he, what he became to live as us. Jonathan Edwards put it well when he suggested that even as Christ is infinitely greater than us, he is also infinitely more humble. Um, so we're going to go into some reflection questions, and as usual, they get pretty deep. So I do encourage you to answer some of these questions for yourself. Uh, I hope that's what you're using this podcast to do. Uh, do some personal reflection uh, that's what I do each week or every other week uh, as we do these uh, devotionals. And I hope that me being honest about what I find in myself maybe helps someone else to be more honest with themselves. Uh, that's my only hope in doing this. Uh, I certainly am not trying to call attention to everything I do wrong in the world. Um, but I think there's a a misunderstanding of who Christians are uh, or should be. I, I don't know. Maybe there are a lot of Christians out there who think they're better than everyone else because they believe in Jesus. Um, but that's not the calling. That's not the Christ follower. Uh, we shouldn't think we're better than someone else because we follow Jesus. Maybe we know something they don't know. Uh, but if we act as if they're less than us because of what we know, then we're less likely to have any impact on their lives that gets them even a step closer to understanding who God is and what Christianity really is. Um, so first, reflection question, who in your life tells you the truth without praise or blame? And what is this like for you? I honestly can't think of anyone who really does this except children in our lives right? They say what they see. Uh, there often is no malice to what they're saying. They just observe out loud. Uh, adults have a conscience. Many Christ followers choose kindness over hurtful truth. Um, probably the closest adult in my life to the type of person who is brutally honest uh, is my wife, Wendy. She's my greatest fan, as I am hers, um, but the problem is that all the glory should go to God, right? First Peter 4.11 states, Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength of God that supplies, 
in order that everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So, you know, God gave us the intelligence, the words, the capability, the skill, the strength, the desire to serve in his name. Uh, so whether we won the Super Bowl or su- served at a soup kitchen, that glory should go to him. Um, Wendy gets this and in no way wants to steal glory from God. She's polite and kind. Um, but in the world, those traits can be foreign and misunderstood. Uh, for example, if you invite us to dinner to celebrate Thanksgiving, you want to start dinner at 3 p.m., but I work until 3 p.m., so I can't possibly be there until 4.30 or 5 o'clock. I'm fine with everybody eating without us. We'll get there when we get there, and we can make a plate of leftovers when we arrive. Growing up, that happened all the time. We had these huge family gatherings at my grandmother's house, uh, and people would show up when they could. Some would go to other family earlier in the day and end the day with us uh, at Nana's house and others would do other things. Some people had to go to work and would come after work and there was always food in the microwave or being warmed up in the oven for them when they arrived. Um, Wendy wants to tell everyone that we can't make it on time uh, and when we'll be there. She doesn't want them worrying or waiting for us. Uh, Invariably, though, the response is, okay, fine, we'll push dinner back for you, which is the last thing that we wanted. Uh, We were fine with just slipping in unnoticed, heating up a plate, and sitting with the kids while they play video games and and eating our meal, right? Uh, I'm not sure what the best way to handle this is because it kind of happens often. I mean, I work a job where, you know, if my day falls on a holiday, then I work that holiday. Uh, and I always have as, as I've been in retail in the past. Um, so I don't want to be rude to people and just be late, but I also don't want decisions to be made to accommodate me. Eat, drink, and be merry. We'll join you as soon as we can. Um, number two, does humility appeal to you or not? Explain. Uh, this is a tough one because I'm not sure humility appeals to human nature at all. Uh, we need to be taught right from wrong morals and values, but we seem to instinctively know how to lie, manipulate, seek attention, and even hate. Uh, those urges need to be quelled through teaching by family members, practiced by adults and role models in our lives, uh, and discernment needs to be used when we get old enough to make our own decisions. Uh, If you think I'm delusional about this, consider your own kids. Did you teach them to hit each other, take each other's toys, or say mean things? Probably not. You know, which parent taught the kids that when dad says no, uh, the kids should go to mom and ask again, assuring her that dad was fine with it? Which one of the, these are things no parent teaches, right? We don't have to. It's instinctually ingrained in our human nature. Uh, Yet if we had a nickel for every reminder to say thank you, excuse me, or please, every one of us who's a parent would be retired by now, including our parents, because they had to remind us to say and do those things every single time too. Um, My goal is to emulate Jesus' example 
though I know I will fall short often, I will continue the effort in gratitude for all he has given me in my life. And when I do fall short, I will repent of it as immediately as I possibly can. Next, what do you admire about humble people? I put a little bit of thought into this one because it didn't, I mean, it doesn't really come to you very quickly. Maybe for others it does, but it didn't for me. I think what I come to when I think about it is that what I admire most about humble people is their unwillingness to give up the fight no matter how many times they come up short. Uh, we live in a world where more people every year consider themselves good and even righteous, not based on the grace of Christ, but based on their own efforts. Humble people don't need to gloss themselves. They don't need to promote themselves on social media, and they don't need to list their virtues on a yard sign. I saw this one yard sign, uh, and I've seen it all over social media, but I've actually seen it in people's yards, so it's not just a goof. Um, and it says, uh, in this house, we believe, uh, and then it lists a bunch of things. It lists Black Lives Matter, love is love, women's rights are human rights, uh, no human is illegal, science is real, and kindness is everything. Um, what does putting this on your yard really say about you? I think it says that you think your beliefs make you better than your neighbors. Uh, it says, believe what I believe or you're less than me. This is not Christian by any means, um, but it is in line with human nature, right? So let's discuss these claims on this sign, right? Black lives matter. Okay, I, I agree. Black lives do matter. All lives matter. Every life in the world, and I know it's some kind of sacrilege to say that all lives matter uh, because somehow I'm taking something away from black lives, but I'm not because you are all lives. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. You are a child of God if you accept that title. Um, nowhere in the ministry of Jesus does it say that your worth is determined by your race or your skin color nowhere okay so stop claiming that jesus would have uh, marched with black lives matter he certainly would not have um, he would have believed that their lives matter uh, of course love is love this isn't even a claim it's nonsense meant to discount god um, god is love uh, 1 John 4.16 says, So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Right? So love is not love. That's just a nonsense statement. Um, God is love. Uh, women's rights are human rights. Does somebody in the world actually believe that women aren't human? Is that what we're trying to say here? That that there are a whole bunch of people out there marching around saying women aren't human? Uh, I've never heard that. I, I don't believe it. I don't buy it. Uh, women's rights are human rights because women are human. Um, 
So I, I don't get that one at all. That's just, again, it's nonsense. No human is illegal. No one ever claimed that people are illegal. Um, but people do do illegal things and should be held accountable for those decisions. Um, that's just a simple fact. When we don't have accountability for our actions, then we have a lawless society. We have anarchy. So we now have a society where uh, it's okay to steal, loot, uh, walk into a store and walk out with cartloads of stuff. Uh, but in case you haven't noticed this, in the tax code for this year, it does state that if you stole or looted property during the course of the year, you do have to claim it on your taxes. Yeah, I bet that's going to happen. Um, and then lastly, uh, I'm sorry, not last, science is real. Of course it is. Unless you believe that an embryo is a child, uh, there are two genders or that the nuclear family matters or even the Bible, right? Science is real, except if you believe any of those things. Uh, what they really mean is that we should all believe what the government and the news media pass off as science. Um, they love to make the, the claim that science says this and science says that. And I'm sorry, pal, but science doesn't say anything. Scientists do. And they're all being paid by someone to say something. Um, what actual science does is investigates. Science seeks evidence uh, for its claims. Science will make a claim and then it will seek evidence proving or disproving. Um, what we actually call science these days is um, we make a claim and then we only accept any science that agrees with our claim and we discount or ignore any evidence that we get that refutes our claim. And in that way, we prove our point by just ignoring the truth of the alternate evidence. Okay. And then lastly, kindness is everything. Kindness is important, but it's not everything. Uh, Galatians 5, 22 to 23 states what everything is, right? And that's the fruit of the spirit. Um, remind, uh, reminds us that the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Humble people don't need to brag. Humble Christians don't need to take credit for what only God could have made happen through us. We certainly don't need a yard sign telling our neighbors, I'm better than you. Number four, how do you recognize true humility? True humility is seen, it's not heard. Uh, the evidence of true humility is seen in the lives of the people affected by the effort. Uh, humility can't be claimed, earned, or awarded. It's selfless. Consider Mark 12, 41 to 44. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came up and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all of those who are contributing to the offering box. 
for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had and all she had to live on. God not only loves a cheerful giver in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, but he is glorified by the act itself. In 2 Corinthians, Paul is collecting donations for the church in Jerusalem. The believers in Jerusalem are growing in numbers despite constant pushback from both the Roman overlords and the Jewish leaders. Uh, as their numbers grow, the need for the church to provide food, shelter, and protection grows as well. Paul, in this letter to the Corinthians, explains why their generosity is a difference maker. In verse 12, he states, For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By giving, they're helping God's people, and in doing so, are praising God himself. So the giving to God's people is a form of worship and praise to God himself. In verse 13, by their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your con contribution for them and for all others. So basically what he's saying here is your action gives credence to your words. You say you believe what Jesus said. You say you believe in the gospel of Christ and your actions now prove it. In verse 14, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. It's amazing, isn't it? That a simple scripture telling us how to treat each other uh, can get right to the heart of what being humble is. Number five, do you tend to believe that you have earned everything you have? Do you act like your achievements are simply a tribute to raw talent? Um, this is a tough one, right? God speaks into every person's life. He started with creation, right? Romans 1.20 talks about for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine power, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the word, world uh, in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. So if you've woke up, looked outside and seen creation, you are without excuse. You should know God exists. Um, now getting from there to the gospel, that's a little different. There's some lessons to be learned there and some admissions to be made and some repentance to be made and uh, acceptance, right? To get from knowing that there's a God to understanding the gospel and what it means in your life. Um, God knitted us together in our mother's wombs, piecing us together in the exact way he wanted us to be. He filled us with everything that we needed to, accom uh, to accomplish the things that we're capable of and gave us a heart that would deny and doubt and fight every step of the way. We are perfectly imperfect. Uh, everything that I am and everything I have that is worth anything 
is from God. I used to live life on my own power and I failed miserably. I was an average parent. I was a terrible husband and even a worse friend. I felt no sense of accomplishment in my life. All I really felt was a longing for more without any real understanding of what it was that was missing. Spoiler alert, it was always God. Everything I am, know, do, and have is due to obedience to God's call on my life since I figured it out. Uh, if I had only figured it out a long time ago, uh, so much would be different in my life and in my relationships and in my world. Um, I don't want to go any deeper than that into this. Uh, it's too painful. Uh, I look back on my life and it's it's like a train that went off the track and, and just crashed. And it's just a big pile of rubble and one set of footprints walking away from it uh, in the right direction uh, because of the salvation of Jesus Christ, because of the gospel. Um, I'm going to take one more quick break, and then I'll talk about some spiritual exercises that Albert Calhoun recommends to kind of dig through your own life uh, and figure out where humility is in your life uh, and how to expand it uh, going forward. Be right back. All right, guys, I am back. And in the first segment, we talked about what humility is, what it's not, um, how we can try to find it in our lives. Uh, in the second segment, we talked about some reflection questions. Um, how do we find humility? What does it look like? Um, how do we exhibit it? Uh, and now we're going to talk about some spiritual exercises, some things we can do in our lives that maybe help us to find our way to it uh, or identify the strongholds in our life that are preventing us from demonstrating humility. Uh, so first of all, and these are all from uh, Albert Calhoun, so I'm not taking any credit for them. Uh, although I may talk a little bit about some of them and maybe how it looked in my life if I've done these. Uh, I couldn't do all of them in time to do this podcast, um, but maybe I've done some of them, okay? Uh, first of all, <clears throat> write a resume of your character, not your expertise, not the resume you would give to a potential uh hiring agent or something like that, HR. Um, what does this reveal about who you are becoming? Are you on the path to humility? Begin to pray for the character that you long to have. Um, what, what this made me think of was, have you ever heard the cliche about dressing for the job you want, not the job you have? Um, so, you know, it's a way to get noticed, right? Um, you go to work, 
you know, in a fair a business casual environment and you dress in a suit every day because your boss is in a suit every day, then you're telling your boss you want more uh, just by that action. Um, character can work the same way, right? Praying for God to help us be steadfast in our desire, in our effort to live his will is huge. Okay. It's, uh, it's very important, right? Prayer is enormous in our lives. Um, but we can also dress the part by exercising the fruit of the spirit within us, right? We talked about Galatians 5.22 and, and the fruits of the spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Um, try them on, wear them for the world to see. Maybe make yourself a scorecard and put it on the fridge or your prayer board or wherever, wherever you do things uh, and track these types of things. And maybe give yourself a grade each day. Were you joyful? Were, did you show love? Did you show peace? Uh, did you show faith, faithfulness? Did you show self-control? Uh, did you? Did I? Um, I think in most days, if you're if you're giving yourself straight A's, then you may not be as humble as you think you are. Uh, if you're giving yourself straight F's, you might not be giving yourself enough credit. Um, but we're all going to be somewhere in between, and maybe this week we work on joy, and next week we work on patience, and the following week we work on self-control. Um, and then when we do them all, we start all over because we're never going to be perfect. Number two, if you're quick to draw attention to your good works, begin to do some things anonymously. What is it like for you? Uh, what does it mean to you to have only God know? Um, I know it's hard and it's hard for me too. And although I outwardly make decisions intentionally, make decisions to not seek attention for myself. Sometimes I can't help but think, you know, when, you know, something's being talked about that I participated in or something like that, it, it pops into my head, hey, what about me? Maybe they'll mention me. And then I think to myself, no, you idiot, that's the whole point. I don't want to be mentioned. God knows. Uh, but it's so hard because it is so against our human nature. Even when we make intentional decisions to push it aside, our brain goes to it anyway. We're just so broken. Um, but it can be done. We can fight it and we can win. Number three, what are some sources of pride to you? What about these things makes you proud? How do humility and pride fit together as you think about these things? How do you think God is calling you to think about the things that bring you pride? Um, it's tough for me, I as I just said. If I do something I'm proud of, I'd like to think about it as little as possible because I don't want it to dominate my thoughts. I don't want to be thinking about how proud of myself I am. Um, now, pride in others... Um, I love that. I'm proud of my wife. Everything that she does that's selfless and kind and loving and giving, it fills me with pride for her, um, which I don't think is a bad pride. Um, I think 
being proud of others. Now, if I went around telling everybody I meet, oh, guess what Wendy did this time? Uh, or posting it on social media every day. Um, I don't think she would like that because she doesn't want that attention. Uh, and maybe when we get that attention, it becomes a stronghold in our life. Uh, it grows to the point where we can no longer control it. Um, in Matthew, uh, the next one, number four, in Matthew eleven twenty nine, Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. What are the characteristics of a gentle and humble heart? How are you cultivating a gentle and humble heart? Um, I think that goes back to what we talked about earlier, right? Um, Albert Calhoun, um, well, I guess it wasn't just her. It was from several different uh, places, uh, articles and, and things that I, you know, put together four things, basically, that our steps to staying humble in life as well as on social media. One, keep the focus on God. Two, lift others up, not yourself. Three, celebrate others, not yourself. And four, shine the light. Shine the light, not your light, because it's not yours. The light doesn't come from you any more than a light from a flashlight comes from the flashlight. It comes from the batteries and the bulb. Uh, so, you know, we're the husk, we're the flashlight, uh, and the battery is Jesus and the bulb is the Holy Spirit. Uh, so who's really creating the light? Um, we can direct that light into the world where it's needed, uh, through our lives. Um, but we are in no way producing that light. Uh, number five. And this is the last one. So assess your own image management quotient. Uh, spend a week intentionally listening to how you speak about yourself to others. Journal when you spin the truth to put yourself in a better light. Can you hear yourself saying, I never watched TV, but yesterday I saw. Uh, why is it important for you to be known as someone who doesn't watch TV? Uh, I do. I probably watch more than I should. Um, but I don't allow it to take time that I want to spend with God. I dedicate time to God every day and maybe this year I should do more and I should take some time away from other things that are less productive, uh, and dedicate more of that time to God. Um, when introduced to others, note what you say about yourself and what you want to come out about you maybe create a, what do they call it? An elevator speech about yourself? Uh, like a 15 second, this is what I'm about. Uh, write it down and, and be honest about it and then edit it to something that you can be proud of in the context of God, right? Is it all about you and your accomplishments or is it really about what you're trying to do to further the kingdom of God? Do your father's work. Um, what would it mean to speak more simply and truthfully about yourself? Uh, ask God to root you in his love and set you free 
to simply be who you are. And that's enough. It's enough for God. Why shouldn't it be enough for you? There were some uh, resources on humility that Albert Calhoun listed. Um, Everyday Justice, The Global Impact of Our Daily Choices by Julie Clausen. There's a book called Humility by Andrew Murray. Uh, The Gift of Being Yourself by David Benner. the prodigal, I'm sorry, the prodigal God, uh, recovering the heart of Christian faith by Timothy Keller. I'm sorry, Keller, Timothy Keller. Uh, this title scared me a bit, and I almost left it out of this resource list because of the title, the prodigal God. How could God be prodigal? Um, I wasn't sure that prodigal should ever be used as a term for God. Um, A prodigal is defined as wastefully or recklessly extravagant, uh, giving or yielding profusely, lavish. Um, To be prodigal with money would be to waste money. Uh, Lavishly abundant or profuse, uh, prodigal resources. Uh, A person who spends money or uses resources with a wasteful extravagance. According to the summary of the book, and I found this at booksataglance.com, the prodigal God looks at the parable of the prodigal son as a parable about the lostness of both brothers uh, in the story and the heart of God the Father that is revealed toward them both. Um, Keller shows clearly that the parable is a powerful challenge to self-righteous religious moralists. Uh, Both brothers are lost, uh, and the only way back to the Father is through his love and grace. Um, This poses a special problem to those who are self-satisfied with their religious practices. Um, Nevertheless, even Pharisees are invited to enter the joy of the feast. the love of the Father invites all to come in. This is only possible because of the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, We have all sinned and been cut off from our proper home, but through Christ, a new heavens and a new earth are being made where a great feast will take place. The only way to gain entrance is through Christ Jesus himself. Um, And then finally, Spiritual Disciplines Handbook, which is where we get these devotionals um, from Adele Albert Calhoun. Um, So I guess while I still don't like the title, The Prodigal God, uh, I don't, I still don't understand how God could be prodigal. Um, I think that maybe the themes of the book and what Keller talks about in the book is certainly positive and worth reading. Uh, And maybe getting through the whole book uh, might help us to understand what he meant by that. Uh, I didn't have access to the book at the time of the podcast, so uh, I didn't have a chance to read the introduction or uh, anything like that that may explain what he means by the prodigal God. Um, But I think if our goal is, as the subtitle states, recovering the heart of a Christian faith, I would think that that's probably uh, positive. I I just don't understand. Uh, the sons are for certainly the prodigals, not 
God himself or the Father. All right, guys, uh, that's it for this week. Um, I'm not sure what our next topic is going to be yet, uh, so I'll let you know as soon as I can. I will be praying for all of you. I wish all of you a happy new year. I hope 2022 gets us back to our the focus that we have on God, on Jesus, on doing his work and his will in the world and in our lives. I pray for each and every one of you, and I hope you're praying for me, that we get back to that and we can put aside the crazy political division that uh, the world is trying to uh, wedge between all of us. Uh, Remember, we are the body of Christ first. We are in the world, not of the world. Uh, Our home, our citizenship is somewhere else. So until next time, I encourage you all to spend time with God and rise up.